Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you can join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed for you. Well, before we jump into what really is a part two to what we talked about in our teaching last week, I want to give you a heads up about like where we're going to be going. So starting next week, we're going to be in a five-week study in in the letter to the Ephesians. Now, we can't cover everything there is to cover in such a short time span, so we're going to take some highlights or, or focus a little more narrowly on specific sections of each chapter in Ephesians. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to read through the letter with us, okay? So read a chapter a week, you know, write down some notes, ask some questions, think through what you're reading in a critical way. Do some critical thinking here, okay? Have an open heart and be willing to receive what it is that God would want to do in your life and what he would want to show you. So that's coming up really here in the next several teachings. But for today, we're going to come back to this idea that we explored in our teaching uh, last time, which was really focused on how to pray, you know, the impossible prayer, right? How to pray dangerous prayers. And I don't think we really challenge ourselves when we pray as much as we, we should. And so what we learned last week was that we need to ask God for the impossible a lot more often. We, we need to pray big. We need to really go for it. Pray those prayers that just might be gained changers, you know, that are out of our reach a little bit, that only God himself could answer by acting on our behalf, right? So what happens, though, when, when he does answer that prayer? So we don't, we don't always let our minds kind of go there, right? Like, what happens when he does answer the dangerous prayer? Now, here's the thing about God answering prayers. Often, he'll answer prayers in ways we didn't quite expect. So sometimes, you know, he answers prayers by pointing us in the right direction. You know, go that way type kind of thing. Other times, though, he answers them by calling us to action. So instead of him doing something and acting on the impossible, he kind of turns the tables a little bit, and he calls on us to to get up and do something, which, which we didn't necessarily pray for, right? Because often our prayers are calling God to act, and He does, sure, but not always in the way we envisioned. So it's kind of like this old saying that, that somebody, you know, asks God for a cake and, and he gives them, you know, eggs and butter and batter mix and milk. And they're like, what do I do with all this? You know, they got everything they need to make a cake. It just it's not going to make itself. You got to do something. What if the answer to our dangerous prayers sometimes requires us to do something? Like, what if the answer to your dangerous prayer about seeing people come into God's kingdom is you leaving everything behind and going to Panama? That's what I want us to explore today. When God answers our dangerous prayers by requiring us to act, how okay, do we respond? So when God calls us to action, there's, there's really only three responses we can give, just three. And we, we simply could tell God, no, right? Like, like no way, not going to do it. I'm not going. And there was a guy in the Old Testament who had that kind of attitude. His name was Jonah. <laughs> he was a spokesperson for God. He was a prophet. And, and God told him to go to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. But Jonah had other plans. Look at this. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said uh, to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked 
its people are. Verse number three, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Yapa, which is, which is today Tel Aviv in Israel, if you look on a map. And there he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, which today would be Spain. So he bought a ticket and he went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing all the way to Spain or Tarshish. Now, that's not the way you would expect a great man of God to react. I, I can't read minds, but it's probably safe to assume if you're a prophet, you're a spokesperson for God, you pray some pretty big prayers, right? Some dangerous prayers. In fact, Jonah's even mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, he prophesied that the northern kingdom of Israel would recover territory they had lost to their enemies, and he was proven correct. So I don't think it's a stretch to say he made big, bold prayers. But Jonah has a little bit of a problem. He's fine ministering to his own people, but the minute God redirects his ministry and says, go to Nineveh, he bails. It's not what he expected, I'm sure. But as a prophet of God, like wasn't Jonah supposed to be willing to go wherever God sent him? Wasn't he supposed to be willing to go and answer the call of God on his life? So you might think today, you're like, okay, I, I'm not Jonah, I'm not running away, I'm not called to reach some group of people I don't wanna you know, reach out to. Okay, but if you're a follower of Christ, okay, you're given this command from Jesus to go into all the world, your city, your neighborhood, your family, and preach the good news and make disciples. That's what Matthew 20, 18, 20 is all about. We call it the Great Commission. We're not sent to a specific people, God sends us to everybody. Now, you gotta know something about Nineveh, too. So the Assyrians were some bad guys. Just to give you an idea, uh, they would skin their enemies alive, which is bad, right? Then they would impale them. I mean, that's torturous. They were known all over the ancient world for their brutality and cruelty. So if anybody deserved God's judgment, I'm telling you, it was the Assyrians, and I'm sure Jonah's thinking that. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, I, I pray for folks to come into God's kingdom, but I don't get really specific about it. And, and I'm sure you don't get super specific either necessarily. You know, unless it's like one particular individual, you probably don't. You don't pray, well, God, I want all the Seneca people in your kingdom, but those Clemson folks, <laughs> they're on their own, man. The guys in West Union, they're fine without you. Like, Wahala, nah, I'm good. Like, none of us do that, right? I mean, at, least, at least I hope not. So why do we pray for people to know the Lord, and then at times bail, like Jonah, when opportunities come our way. This is definitely an opportunity for Jonah and for God's kingdom. It may not have been ideal, and it may not have been what Jonah was asking for necessarily, but it was definitely an opportunity, and he was gonna go to spiritual ground, which hadn't actually been plowed yet. He was gonna get to pioneer something no one had done, get the opportunity to see the most cruel people in the ancient Middle East experience God's grace and freedom. Whew, pretty neat. But because it wasn't what he had in mind, because it wasn't a people he thought deserved what God had to offer, he tried to run. He basically told God, like, thanks, but no thanks. What opportunities is God bringing your way that you don't recognize necessarily, right? Like, what is he calling you to do? Maybe God's saying, like, hey, take in the estranged family member of yours, you know? You want people to come to my kingdom? Why don't you start with that person? And we're kind of pumping the brakes on that, right? Like, I mean, like we have reasons not to speak with that family member again or connect with them again. And if anyone deserves God's judgment for what happened, it's that person, right? We didn't pray for this. We prayed for people to come into God's kingdom, not, not that person. <laughs> but that's the opportunity. And so God's calling us to act. 
me saying, yeah, you, you did pray for this. Like, I want you to start with this person because if you can understand that my grace extends even to this person who caused so much pain and so much hurt in your life, then I can use you to bring anybody into my kingdom. So the opportunity is there and God's calling, but you'll miss it. And quite possibly the answer to your dangerous prayer, if you pull a Jonah and you tell God, Ah, that's, that's, not what I, that's not what I asked for. I'm not going. So some of us respond to our dangerous prayers as that flat out no. But others, you know, we, we see God answering our prayers and we see opportunities for sure. We even realize he's calling us to act, but we decide like we are not the right people for the job. <laughs> so our response is, hey, God, that sounds really good. You find somebody else. Find somebody else. Now, Moses was Israel's greatest leader. And you can read about his story from Exodus to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. He was a Jewish man who grew up in Pharaoh's palace, but he lived the, the life of tension because he's Egyptian royalty, but his people are suffering and dying as slaves. And so that tension exists. And so later as an adult, he sees an Egyptian beating a Jewish slave, and Moses takes matters into his own hands. He kills the Egyptian soldier, and then he runs away, and he lives in the wilderness as a shepherd for like 40 years. Now, I'm sure that Moses had prayed many dangerous prayers for his people to be delivered from slavery. But this was a moment you know, he, was, he was really waiting and longing for. What he probably never expected was for God to answer those prayers by sending him to be the one who would lead Israel to freedom. Like God was calling Moses to action. In Exodus chapter 3, God speaks to him through a burning bush. And he tells him that he's the guy to lead Israel. And so Moses' response in verse 11 is like, hey, who am I? You know, He didn't think he can do it. In fact, he's got a lot of reasons why he can't do it. Anyone, you know anyone like that? He's got an excuse for everything? That's Moses. He's got speech impediment. No one's going to believe him. Not to mention, he's 80 years old at this point. He ain't no spring chicken, all right? So you know who Moses is, though? Man, he's, he's all of us right here. If you've ever felt inferior, if you felt like God should find somebody else, if you felt like you weren't qualified, all that stuff, Moses gets it. And he felt it, too. And He's got stated and unstated reasons for why he can't go back to Egypt and, and do what God's asking him to do. And I love what God does in chapter 4, verse 11. It, I get chills every time I read it. Exodus 4, verse 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Like, who decides whether the people speak or do not speak or hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Go! I'll be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you and what to say. Boy, like all the excuses we can come up with, they mean nothing to God. Like still Moses persists that somebody else needs to go. And in verse number 13, he says, Lord, please send anybody else. Send some, anybody but me, right? How many times have you said to God, Lord, send somebody else? How many excuses do, you, do we offer God for like why we can't go where he sends us and do what he asks us? He says, Lord, I, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time. My schedule's so busy, you know? Like that guy over there, he's got it. You send him. Or that person's better organized than me. They're more talented. Fine. You send that person over there. Like, you know, you do that kind of thing. Hey, they're, 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 they're Gamecocks. Come on, somebody. Give me some Gamecock love, entire country. They're Gamecocks, whatever it is. Like we have all kinds of reasons. Can I suggest something for a moment? That perhaps it's possible there isn't anyone else better equipped to answer your dangerous prayer than you. God can call the people more talent, more ability, more resources, more anything and everything. 
But He didn't call them. He called you. He knows you are meant for this. That you're meant for this moment, for this place, to carry out the very thing that you're praying for with His help. And because you may be the right person to carry out this dangerous prayer, your response shouldn't be, no, I'm not going. It shouldn't be, find somebody else. It should mirror that of another Old Testament prophet, a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, we read that he sees the Lord. Now, whether it's a dream or a vision, like we don't really know, but he sees God sitting on his throne. And the Lord asks, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Referencing the people of, of Judah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah's response is not, not me, find somebody else. He says, here I am. God send me. I can guarantee you that whenever you respond like that, you know what God's going to do? He will absolutely interrupt you. He will prompt you. He will push you. He will move you. Why? Because you were making yourself available to Him and He is calling you to action. And that's what our reaction should be, right? Like, we, we get to do this, man. We get to serve God. He's given you gifts and talents and resources to carry out the dangerous prayers you've been praying. And all it takes is for us to tell God, here I am, Lord, send me. It's something so many of us want to do. We don't always follow through with it, though. Like, we'll pray to help the poor, but we never serve or give. Like, we'll, we'll pray for God to right the wrongs of injustice, and we'll talk a good game. A lot of folks do that right now. But we don't want to give up the comfortable positions we've been given in, right? We'll pray for those, you know, prayers for the hope of Christ to be preached to everybody, but we ignore the nudging God gives us to pack everything up and head to a new place and start a new work. Like, we will pray for those who aren't here yet in our church community, right? But, but what are we doing to bring them into God's kingdom, right? I, I I didn't say what are we doing to bring them into Radiant Church, though we would welcome them with open arms. I'm, I'm talking about God's kingdom, dude. Like, what are we doing to bring them into the kingdom of God? One of my biggest concerns as a pastor is that we will point the finger back at the church and say, oh, no, that's the church's job to do. You know, it's like it's that sort of professional Christian thing that has to take place in a church building. But God called all of us to make disciples, didn't he? And that means that whether you're at work or school or around town, you have a purpose. That's to reach people and bring them to Jesus. So we can't sit on the sidelines and just say, you know, hey, God, just, just bring everybody to us. You know, we'll build it and they'll come. You know? <laughs> he may do that, but I'm telling you, he sent you to your job, to your school, to your neighborhood to reach people who are already there. And we can't have this attitude that says, well, you know, when the church does an outreach event or, you know, this special service, people will come and I'll be a part of that. It'll be so cool. No, it's great to participate in those types of things. And I would encourage you to do that. But you know what? If that's all that we're waiting for, we either don't fully understand our role as Christians or we're honestly just spiritually lazy. He said, Pastor, what, in the, what am I supposed to do then? Well, every person's given a sphere of influence. We all have relationships with people in the community that are God-given for a reason, for a purpose. You don't have to move to Belize or anything like that to have a big impact. You just need to start with one life. Invest in one life and one relationship at a time. God wants you to invite that one coworker who's struggling right now over for coffee. He wants you to help that one guy across the street get a job. He wants you to go next door to that one neighbor that you don't like. 
and invite them over for dinner. Seems so small and insignificant, doesn't it? But what if the answer to our dangerous prayers starts with us doing our part and just being available for God to use? And what if God is trying to help us understand that if we invest in one life at a time, we can start a domino effect which impacts our community. See, one transformed life finds another life to invest in, and then that life is transformed. You know what they do? They find another. And before you know it, you're having an impact that's well beyond your own ability to create. See, one of the biggest mistakes we, we can make is to assume that we're just not having an impact for God if we're doing these like small things. And if all you want is the, the leadership position, the spotlight, the big important stuff, I'm just going to be honest, you're, you're not going to be available for God to use because He didn't operate that way. You're kind of pulling a Jonah, like, nah, I can't do that, it's too small for me, they're not my people, it's not my problem. Maybe you're pulling a Moses. Well, it'd be great for this guy over there, but I'm not cut out for it. Find this person here. There's this principle that Jesus teaches about in regards to small things, and he says, you know, if we're faithful in these small things, he'll give us bigger things down the road. So if you can invest in one life at a time, if you can be faithful to bring transformation to one person, God can trust you with a bigger role to impact more people down the road. But it all starts at being available first. So are you available for God to use? Are you ready to tell God, here I am, send me? Because the only acceptable response to these big prayers, dangerous, impossible prayers that we should be praying is one that says, I'm available, man. God, use me. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. My life is completely and totally yours. I want to pray for you here today that you'll make yourself available for God to use, to do some incredible things. Father, we love you. Thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. They're, they're working out. They're, they're working out on their job. They're sitting around at home, driving, whatever it is. God, Lord, I pray right now as they're praying along with me that you will impact their hearts and touch their lives. God, I pray they would realize that many times you'll answer prayers requiring us to be available, to act, to do something. We take the first step and then you take the rest of them. And I pray, Lord, that we would live lives, not with an attitude of excuses, not with an attitude that says, I'm not going to do that, it's not for me. Lord, with an attitude that mirrors Isaiah, that says, here I am, I'm available, use me. And Lord, I pray that, that we own what you're calling us to do, that we step into what you're calling us to do, and that you will use us to further your kingdom, to reach more people, to have a bigger impact on the lives that are around us. Thank you for choosing people like us. We don't have to be the most talented. We don't have to have the most resources. We just have to have available hearts. Thank you for choosing us to be part of your plan to reach folks for your kingdom and your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.